0: when we say that chocolate and caffeine has all these great benefits they do have antioxidants but you can get those same antioxidants from your vegetables and the vegetables don't come with any detrimental side effects caffeine is not giving you antioxidants it's the bad thing so why would we eat something that's got bad in it to get some good because it's got it's got good and bad in it well you know any of the plants that we you know poison ivy has antioxidants in it too so i guess we should be eating poison ivy
1: Hello and welcome back to the Year Great Podcast with your host, Juni and I am so excited. I got to sit with my mentor and my friend, nutritionist biochemist Karen Hurd. She's back on the podcast talking about perimenopause, thinning of hair, working out, supplements, you know, all of those controversial things that we love to tackle here in the Eating for Health lifestyle. And not to say that any of it's wrong, obviously. I do believe in the nuance and the individuality of each human body and what the human body needs as we are the custodians of our own health. But a lot of times we end up doing things and taking things because we are so disconnected from our bodies or we are not nourishing our bodies well. And then we're looking for these quick fixes and nobody can blame you, I'm all for a shortcut. But a lot of times in health, the greatest shortcut is habits eating well every day, breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner, repetition, 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 showing up, keep showing up. A lot of people are like, oh, but what about the novelty unique? And what about this? And what about that? And I'm like, you know what, find that elsewhere. In your diet, that is a powerful lever for you to live a good, healthy life. And with the addiction to sugar that is going on, and especially for us ladies in perimenopause, where we are becoming insulin resistant. And guess where all of that glucose in your bloodstream is going? Fat, fat cells around your tummy, hips, thighs, nothing wrong with accumulating some fluff if you'd like that and you're totally healthy. But for most of my clients, they do not like it. And it is showing that there are glucose imbalances through blood work and their A1C. So, you know, all that to say that really locking in a healthy way of eating, a variety of things, getting enough protein, healthy fats, and lots of fiber for a healthy gut microbiome is incredibly supportive, not only to gut health, but heart health as well. A lot of satiety comes from eating enough fiber. So anyway, we get into all of it today and obviously just adore Karen. And it's always wonderful to sit and chat with her. I feel like I'm talking to my bean celebrity, you know. People are always like, oh, Unique, I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity talking to you. And that's how I feel talking to Karen. So now you know. I also wanted to mention that my 12-week program starting January 12th will be a 12-week live bean protocol that I will be teaching and guiding and community and recipe sharing and support to really help you begin to build those important habits, that repetition breakfast, lunch, dinner, breakfast, lunch, dinner. It anchors the body. It anchors the body in calm. It anchors the body in nutrients, which we need in this stressful lifestyle. And Karen Hurd will be in the course talking to the group. So if you've ever wanted to connect with Karen live, this is the opportunity for you to connect with her in a Q&A format to get all of your questions answered. She generously allowed me to book her time. So please join us. You can find more info on my website at yourgreat.com. And I hope to see you inside the course, and I hope you enjoy this wonderful podcast with Karen Hurt. Hello, Unique. Hello, Karen. How are you? I'm well. How are you?
0: Doing very well. Thank you.
1: Yeah? How's the new position? Well, I've been there almost a year as a state legislator. I absolutely love it. Amazing. Do you love it as much as doing nutrition or totally different? It's totally different. I love it just as much. Oh, that's so great. You're such a multi-talented person. It's been very good. That's wonderful. How do you keep up with everything? Seriously? Well,
0: I feel great. You know, you know, you've got the title of it on your podcast. You know, you're great. I feel great. I am I'm able
1: to do a lot of things and so I I love it. So a deep wealth of knowledge with eating well. It's really the bottom line, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, today we are chatting about perimenopause. And I'm really excited because I'm about to turn 48 and well You're in range. I'm in the range. I, I saw the OBGYN couple months ago and I had just had my first long cycle and she said well how many long cycles have you had and I said just one and she said any other symptoms and I said no and she said oh I eat very well I don't drink alcohol I don't eat sugar and it's funny she just kind of glazed over like none of that stuff really matters but anyway so today I would love to dive into what a healthy perimenopause looks like and age ranges and just anything my lovely lady listeners, should know about this time of life, because there's a lot going on.
0: There is a lot going on. So, well, I can start out with just some generalities. And so everybody understands what perimenopause is compared to menopause. Let's start with menopause. Menopause is the cessation of menstrual cycles for one complete year that you have not had a menstrual cycle for an entire 12 months consecutively, not mm. that you had your regular cycles within the year, that you have had no menstrual cycle for a consecutive 12 months, then you are officially in menopause. And that normally occurs with women in the U.S. when you are 51 years old. Now that's, you know, some women are older, some women are younger, but the average age in the United States population is 51. Now, leading up to menopause, there is a five to up to 10 year process mm-hmm. of getting to this place where you didn't have a period for a whole year in a row. And in this process, in five years is very common, but some women, it goes all the way out to 10. So you can start when you're in your early 40s, that your periods will become irregular. Sometimes there will be long periods of time before your next menses, menses is the period. Sometimes there are these. Time length is very short. You may have just had your period and then you're going, now you're having another one. It's just like, I just finished one last week and I'm starting another one. Sometimes the periods are really sparse and there's hardly any bleeding at all. Sometimes you will be bleeding through constantly. It's just like, I just stood up from sitting down. I just changed my pad or whatever you're doing. And then I just stood up and then I had a gusher, you know, (laughs) it it just all came out and then it's just like I want to stain on the chair. My clothes are stained, you know. And it's you know, and it <laughs> and it doesn't matter. You wear double pads, tampon, and double pads, and you know. She's like, and then you think, oh, what's the matter with me? There's something wrong. I have cancer? No, you don't. Welcome to perimenopause.
1: <laughs> Why is it such a wild bunk and bronco? Well, what is going on there?
0: <laughs> it's it's because of the change of responsibility. The Organs all have our glandular, our, these are endocrine glands. They're glands that produce hormones for us. They all have a very unique function. And the ovaries in a woman have the unique function of producing estrogen and progesterone for a woman. And that estrogen and progesterone is what dictates a menstrual cycle. Prior to becoming a full-grown woman, it's called menarche, so Prior to Menarch, you have a gland that is making estrogen for you so that you're a little girl versus being a little boy because you think like, because well, girls think different than boys. Have you ever noticed that? They really do. Even little girls think different than little boys. Hormones are what are dictating that. Estrogen for a pre-Menarch female is made in the adrenal glands. Not in the ovaries. The ovaries are not mature. They're not producing anything prior to that menarche. And menarche happens, unfortunately, it's happening earlier and earlier. It's supposed to happen somewhere originally around age 16. Then it got backed up to 14, 12 year olds come, and now it's 11 and even 10 year olds are beginning their period. This is ridiculous. It's because of the American diet, and it just creates a large amount of estrogen because we're eating foods that create large amounts of estrogen, but. Prior to menarche, when you begin a menstrual cycle as a teenage girl, estrogen was being produced. There was no progesterone being produced. Progesterone is not produced anywhere in the human body except by the ovaries and then the placenta when you're pregnant. That's the can only I, two places.
1: Can I ask a question about is is the estrogen made in the adrenals before you get your period? Is it still an estradiol, which is the fertility one, or is it a different? It's version? a different
0: there are five different estrogens. So. Uh-oh. So it's a different estrogen, but it's still an estrogen. Right. So it's not the strong estradiol. So you have the adrenal glands making this for you. You're a little girl. Then your ovaries, you go through growth spurts and the ovaries grow and then they mature. And then the ovaries begin to produce the estrogen and subsequently the progesterone after this, when you enter the luteal phase and you start to produce progesterone, it's after the egg erupts from the sac and the ovary. Then that corpus luteum, that yellow body place where the egg was, it erupted from there. Then that party ovary, that little place from which the egg erupted, begins to produce progesterone. And then it it will produce progesterone until you, it's usually about two weeks, but it depends upon the woman, it depends upon your hormones. Then the progesterone will stop. And then when the progesterone stops, then here comes your period. So... It's to thicken, cause a a blood lining to thicken in the uterine walls, what the progesterone is doing. And the more and more progesterone you have, the more and more blood lining you'll have. And then when it's cut off, if there is no fertilized egg, then the body says, no fertilized egg. Okay, shed the lining. The progesterone stops, gone progesterone, and then the lining sheds. And that shedding of the blood lining is our period. So estrogen, though, is what ripens the egg. And until you have an egg erupt out of the ovary from that little follicle, there will be no progesterone made. Unless, of course, you become pregnant, then the placenta itself will make progesterone for you. So we have estrogen being produced by the adrenal glands. Then you go through Menarche. Now estrogen is produced in the ovaries, a different kind, very much stronger estrogen, and you become a childbearing woman so that you can... You can go through the years, the decades that we go through of having menstrual cycles <laughs> and all of that that comes with it. Then there comes a time that the ovaries grow old and they're saying, I know that I've been producing estrogen since you were 12, 14, 11, whatever age you went through Menarch. And now you are in your late forties or your early forties. Remember I gave you a five to 10 year range and the average age is 51 when you have had no period at all for one year. And the ovaries say, I've been working for decades now and I'm a little tired and I'm wearing out. And there is a certain lifespan of, of gland. It says I'm going to not be able to produce as much estrogen. So it's trying to produce estrogen. It's trying to respond to the pituitary gland, which is sending out stimulating signals saying, produce estrogen. We have to have a menstrual cycle. She's growing, you know, we got to bear children, you know. The ovaries become fatigued and then they don't produce as much or consistent, let's like a spurt, you know, spurts here and then, oh, we're exhausted, can't do anymore. Okay, here's a little bit more estrogen. Okay, I'm exhausted now. I got to rest for, you know, several weeks before I can try to give you another little shot of estrogen. And so the ovaries then do an inconsistent job of producing estrogen so then there's still a signal coming from the pituitary saying we got have a certain amount of estrogen in the bloodstream because if we don't then this woman is going to turn into the bearded lady at the circus you know she's going to lose her femininity you know, you get the chin hairs and you get a little mustache and you get a deeper voice. You might even grow hair on your chest a little
1: bit, you know. So does that mean testosterone is taking over more? Yes, it is a
0: testosterone response. But you see, you have to understand that these are all coming from a base that estrogen is coming from testosterone. I mean, they're all, they're all coming, they're in a chemical little lineup on how they're getting made. Mm -hmm. And so you're not making enough estrogen at that point. I mean, if you're, you know, we've we've got a problem. And so you have to have some gland in your body that's going to produce estrogen for you to maintain your femininity when your ovaries are giving up the ghost. And guess what gland it goes back to? The same Mm -hmm. gland that you had when you were pre-Minarch, when you were a little girl. And so you go back to the adrenals having to produce that estrogen for you to maintain your femininity. But here's the problem. You have gone through decades. You're not a little girl now that has lived 10, 12, 14 years and hopefully in a good situation and not stressed out. If you did in a bad situation, you'll find out that you'll have bad periods and you may have delayed periods and you're going to have all kinds of problems there. Yes, I remember your story. Yes. (laughs) But through the years, when you have your estrogen has been produced by these ovaries on and on, you've also probably gone through some stressful situations. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you had financial pressures. Maybe you had trouble with the family. Whatever. We all have stresses in our life. Well, when we're under stress, we have to produce stress hormones, which are coming from the adrenal glands. They're not estrogen. They're not testosterone. They're called epinephrine and norepinephrine other words, adrenaline, that's adrenaline and noradrenaline are the old terms, but we just call it adrenaline collectively. Whenever you're stressed, you're going to make a large amount of adrenaline. So the adrenal glands after decade and decade and decade of being stressed because you have to rise the occasion to do this and that, oh no, we have trouble over here and troubles on the horizon out there and everything is a mess. The adrenals become fatigued and we already see it in our society we have people suffering from anxiety and depression that is clear sign that your adrenals are under the gun they are really working super hard for you so they as the decades have gone forth now you're entering just about to enter your fifth decade and you're you got this five ten year and your your ovaries are flagging they're dying on you they're not going to be able to produce this for you anymore so who has to pick up the load the adrenal glands and the adrenal glands get the signal from the pituitary and say, Hey, but hey, adrenals, we got a problem here. Ovaries are giving up the ghost. You know, she's getting old, you know, and you know how old people get them. Yeah, she's giving up the ghost. So now you are going to have to take up the responsibility because the ovaries, we have to keep this woman a woman. You know, we don't want her to turn into the bearded lady at the circus. And so you need to start producing estrogen. And the adrenals go, What? Produce estrogen? I just want to inform you of something pituitary. I have been stressed to the max with trying to get out enough epinephrine and norepinephrine. Oh, and by the way, I had to do some cortical steroids and aldosterone. Should I tell you the other hormones that I had to make? And this lady has not given me a break because she's been eating sugar all her life. She's been drinking caffeine. She's been using perfumes and fragrances. She's been been doing every single thing she could possibly do wrong. And my job has been extremely difficult. And you're expecting me to make estrogen? (laughs) Jump
1: in a lake. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Estrogen is the low man on the totem pole, people.
0: <laughs> That's exactly it. It's like I got priority order and you're the last one on the list. And so sorry, I'm not going to make the estrogen. Mm. I'm just not going to do it. Mm. And so then you don't have the estrogen being made. You got the little spurts from the from the ovaries that are doing their dying throws. And then when you don't have enough estrogen, then you have all these problems with depression and headaches and dry vagina. And, you know, just this is miserable that, you know, I feel like crying all the time. You just run through all the premenopausal symptoms. Well, it's because you don't have enough estrogen. And so what's the problem as far as should we whip the ovaries and say, come on, no, there's, they're dying. They're, we're not going to be recovering. They only have a certain lifespan and that's the end of their lifespan. We have to recover the adrenals is what we have to do and say, I'm sorry, I've abused you adrenals. I really have. I've been drinking caffeine. I've been eating sugar. I've been, you know, running a stressful lifestyle. I know I thought I was out there in the gym and I'm lifting weights and I'm, you know, I'm running five miles a day. And well, where do you get the hormones to do all that? It's adrenal glands. And they're saying, I, okay, we're going to rest your adrenal glands and I'm going to take care of you. And when you take care of your adrenal glands, then you'll be able to come through perimenopause. Now you, you started out to show and I saw that you were already recording. So I'm everybody got to hear what you said about, you know, that you went to the doctor and she said, hey, you know, how long has it been since your last period? And you said, any other symptoms? And she said, really? You don't have any other? That's because Unique Cameron has been eating well for Unique, how many years is it? 11 coming up on 11. I've been beaning for 11. Yeah, 11 years, Mm -hmm. and that has put you in the place you have been taking care of your adrenal glands because of your good diet. You are going to breeze through menopause. I mean, your periods may just get longer and longer, and it's just like. Maybe I had a hot flash, but I wasn't even sure that I had one. But, you know, but yeah, that was my symptom. See, now I'm 66, so I am through, you know, and my last period was when I was 54. So the average is 51, but I went to 54. So that's okay because, you know, I'm trying to live to 120. I want to slow down the process of aging. So I was 54 and I had the irregular periods. And I remember when, when my children were getting married, I was stressed with the wedding and everything. I had one gushing period. And then that was, I didn't have any hot flash or anything. It, that was the end of it.
1: That was, I was going to ask, I was hoping you would be open to sharing your experience going through perimenopause. Um, so you're, you didn't have hot flashes, you didn't have night sweats, or sleeplessness, like a lot of people go on progesterone, because they're like, Oh, I don't sleep anymore. And I'm going on progesterone. And so you just breezed right through it. I didn't have now I've been eating right for 30
0: years, you know, and at that time, when I was 54, well, I would have to calculate back and I'm 66. So that was 12 <laughs> years ago, and I've been eating right. For, anyway, so I had was it 18 years under my belt of eating right. And so it was just during that stress of that one wedding. And then it's just like, what is this gushing period? And then it's just like, oh, well, that was the end of it. And then that was the only symptom I had. And that was during a stressful time. And I should explain why people are getting hot flashes and why they can't sleep at night. It's because of the adrenaline. It's not an estrogen issue. It's not like you're having a rush of estrogen. You're having a rush of adrenaline because the pituitary is telling the adrenals, cough up estrogen, come on come on, produce. And they're saying, I'm trying and trying. And then when they produce that little bit of estrogen, they're trying to get out. They also produce the same, a large amount of epinephrine and norepinephrine, which is causes you to have hot flashes, which causes your heart to pound, which keeps you awake at night. Cause you're not lying there in pain. You're lying there with busy brain. It's just like, shut down the thinking. I just stop. And that's from a large amount of epinephrine and norepinephrine, which is released concomitantly, the same time as you're releasing the estrogen that you're, you know, it's because the, the, the stimulating hormones, what they do is they build up because the re- adrenals don't respond at the beginning. They say, no way, we're not going to make estrogen. We're barely trying to keep up. And then the pituitary says, I'm sorry. I think that, you know, you had a hearing problem. The first time I said, make estrogen. And then the pituitary, I said, I heard you the first time, but I said, no. And then they said, well, then let me say it in a stronger voice, you shall make estrogen. And then, and how is, how is a pituitary, you know, I'm using it as a communication. They're releasing larger and larger amounts. The pituitary is releasing larger and larger amounts of so the stimulating hormone until the stimulating hormone is so high in the bloodstream, the adrenals say, okay. The pituitary is having a meltdown hissy fit. And if we don't respond and give the amount of adrenaline or estrogen that this crazy gland wants, then you know we're in deep, deep trouble now. We have just walked into, you know, what terrible situation. And so, all right, we'll give them the hormones that the pituitary is asking for. So how much are you asking for? Stimulating hormone is really high. Okay, so we're going to give you a high amount of hormone release. And you get it all in one big blast. And that blast is your hot flash. That blast is your insomnia. It's just a large amount of adrenaline. You got estrogen, by the way, at the same time. But you also got the stress. And then you can feel you can have a panic attack. I mean, women, they're like, ooh, 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 you know. <laughs> and, oh, and angry, like very angry oh, yes. and yeah. Larger amounts of adrenaline can make you very angry, and so that's a problem. And you say, "Well, can we avoid it?" Well, you just said you're you're avoiding. It. You're in you're in the throes of it now. You're right in the right age frame. I went through it and only had the one. It was. <laughs> just a couple hours of a heavy bleed. And then then I didn't have any period at all ever. But
1: did did you have so was that your final period? That was the heavy one? Or did you have these longer cycles? Because I've had it now I've had a couple of long cycles. And I feel so good that I don't even realize it until I look at my app. And I'm like, Oh, I'm a little long this month, you know, yeah. it, but I and feel longer, so
0: good. It is. It's wonderful. It's just like,
1: boy, I should have <laughs> this is, I've been waiting a long time to get to this place <laughs> in my life. Really nice. It's really nice.
0: But yeah, no, they were getting longer and longer. And then I had this gusher when I was under that stressful period. And then it's like, and that was the last one.
1: Oh,
0: it was gone. It's, it's like, amazing. Yeah. It's, it's a nice life, by the way, when you get to the other side. <laughs> oh, yes, it's real nice. And it's really nice. Now, given that you're eating well, if you're not eating well, then you're going to have, why do I have this problems? Why are my menopausal symptoms? I talk to women. They're still experiencing hot flashes when they're in their 60s and 70s. It's like,
1: I've heard that too. And I'm I, like, wow. Um, don't, because you're eating, please stop.
0: Why do you drink so much caffeine? Why do you get rid of the coffee? Get rid of the tea. Get rid of the chocolate. Everybody, you think about it. Women are always headed during menopause and perimenopause. They're always headed to the chocolate, to the chocolate, because that women the adrenals too. You have the pituitary calling for the production, but chocolate calls for production of estrogen too.
1: Calling that out is really great. It's interesting. I don't know what it is, but I've met more women going into menopause who are addicted to sugar and caffeine. A lot of them are starting to cut alcohol out because it seems like their body stops responding. I know mine did. I think after my autoimmune disorder, my body was just like, you're going to feel like crap if you drink alcohol. So I was just like, it's not worth it. But Yeah, they're all addicted to sugar and the cacao and um, the caffeine, and because there's so much literature out there of the benefits of caffeine and the benefits of chocolate, that's what everybody's doing. But also, all of these women are now getting on the hormone replacement therapy to help with what you're calling out as being an adrenaline problem in the first place. It's we're naturally going to lose our estradiol for estrone. This transition is going to happen no matter what, but if we take care of ourselves then we're not going to end up in this place where we are suddenly needing to have hormone replacement therapy to mitigate all of the issues that we're creating by our diet and lifestyle. Is that what I hear you saying? It's exactly what, you know, people say, but the biologic is working, you know, I'm taking the
0: estrogen or or you can take the primerin, which is just a, it's a synthetic, it's made out of actually horse urine from a mare. It is, it's a mare, horse urine, it's concentrated, and that's what you're taking is horse pee. That's what primerin is. And it's the one of the number one Highest selling drugs on the market is because women it's, it is uncomfortable to go through hot flashes. It is uncomfortable to be angry and to be having anxiety attacks and you know all the stuff that comes with menopause. But it's we ate ourselves into this condition. And the way the estrogen works is if you're supplying the estrogen by taking it on a patch, transdermal, or you know by a pill or however you're you're getting it, that estrogen is in the bloodstream. So the so the pituitary stops calling for the large release that they're not saying, I said adrenals produce more. Now it's like, oh, the estrogen's there. I don't have to, you know, get on my high horse and, you know, do the screaming fits at the adrenal glands. And so the adrenal glands are not producing any extra adrenaline. So you're not getting the, the hot flash. Always a hot flash is excess adrenaline. You're not getting the anxiety or the anger fit because that's all excess adrenaline. And so there's no call for it because there's the estrogen in the bloodstream. So- there's, you don't get the stimulus to the adrenal glands, but there is a big, you say, well, then, wow, then everybody should be on supplemental estrogen. There's a really big problem with that is that it is a major cause of cancer.
1: Well, hormones are hormones, synthetic hormones, even I believe what I understand is even bioidentical hormones are still synthetic, but hormones are carcinogenic. So our own hormones, right? Many women have breast cancer. Our
0: hormones are carcinogenic. And when we have too many of them, that's what's creating the cancer. So we're taking a certain amount, a number of milligrams per every single day, it never changes. But the amount of estrogen that a woman needs changes by the moment. So it's it's not even like, well, tomorrow, we're going to have a day where I'll need more estrogen. Well, first of all, you wouldn't even know that, you know, (laughs) your body knows that, though. And so We are giving a straight, even amount every single solitary day. And some days you don't need that much because that day your ovaries did produce maybe more. Remember they're in spurts, they're in the dying throes. And so maybe you didn't need any. And that pituitary knows it because it's telling you by the second how much estrogen you need. And so then you were overtaking estrogen. You're and when you get too much estrogen, you're looking at the estrogen-fed cancers and then breast cancer is the most common among them. And then you say, what happened to me? Why did this occur to me? Well, this is well, I, I don't I don't say, well, what did you expect to happen? Because people don't know. Unique, you know this, that you're in this, you're in the same business that I am in. People don't know. They, they just don't know that this is the consequence. And so that's why it's so important to get the information out there. Yeah, this is exactly what's to be expected. So yeah.
1: and Well, I think it's, it's in the landscape we're in now where they kind of debunked one of the biggest papers on women taking hormone replacement therapy, because they were women in their late 60s, and they were, they already had other health issues. So I think that they've kind of thrown that whole paper, not out, but there is a resurgence of the love of hormone replacement therapy again. I see it everywhere. I I went to a weekend with a doctor, and 90% of the retreat was spent talking about the wonders of hormone replacement. And it's interesting because if you have, let's say you have eaten yourself into a place where your body is in revolt and you're you're angry, dry vagina, you're not sleeping and that's making you even more on edge. And then this little patch comes along and and it helps all these symptoms. You can see how this woman would feel so thankful and have all of this relief to have her life back because she's just living like a modern woman, right? We're all living modern women, but What I really am trying to do is educate at least the people that I come into contact with, as I know you are, is that if you give yourself some runway where you clean up your diet and you start eating well, that you can mitigate a lot of these hormonal issues that are coming up at this time of life. I mean, I might have had a warm flash. I don't even know. You know, that's how much I'm not bothered by the transition that my body is going through at the moment. And I feel the transition because I feel the shift in. I just feel the shift it's a subtle shift of of my body almost like going into a different mode like I'm less interested in working all the time I'm more interested in downtime and and reading and doing things for myself you know I I came out of the fast lane when I was sick with Crohn's but I just feel a downshift I also feel less less tolerant of bullshit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, before I'd grin and bear it, now I'm like, no, no. <laughs> so I feel these shifts, but I don't, I sleep well. I have great energy all day long. I love my food. You know, so many people say, and I'm sure you hear this too, oh, but coffee has all these great benefits and chocolate has all these great benefits. And, you know, what about moderation? And I would say that our body's health is reflecting why it doesn't work would you agree with that i definitely agree with that
0: you know when we when we say that chocolate and caffeine has all these great benefits they do have antioxidants but you can get those same antioxidants from your vegetables and the vegetables don't come with any detrimental side effects caffeine is not giving you antioxidants it's the bad thing so why would we eat something that's got bad in it to get some good because it's got it's got good and bad in it well, you know, any of the plants that we, you know, poison ivy has antioxidants in it too. So I guess we should be eating poison ivy. By the way, don't anybody eat poison ivy. You will become oh, deathly ill. Okay, this don't. It's a mistake. But I mean, because but it anything that is coming from a plant is going to have antioxidants in it. So we say, see, isn't that wonderful? But it's coming with detrimental things too. So you, we have to say, could I get those same antioxidants from something that doesn't have? anything that's detrimental. Of course you can. All kinds of things that we're eating. That's what all our, our vegetables are about. I think that we inherently know a lot of this. Like everybody inherently knows you shouldn't be eating a lot of sweets or any sweets at all. We all know that. But if we could find an excuse, you know, then it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we like to, we're addicted to it. Sweets are addictive. Caffeine is very addictive. And so we just want it more. And the only way you can get through those addiction is to avoid it completely. You can't even dabble in it. Because if you dabble in it, ask anybody you know. Just dabble in a little and then you're right back in there. Whole hog, you know, just chowing down because it's very, very difficult. It's very strong psychological and physiological pull once you eat sweets or do the caffeine.
1: Yeah. Most of my clients have to get pretty black or white about it just to, just to change the way our taste buds are working or expecting or something. I, I, it's funny because I go to bed at night excited for breakfast in the morning and it's beans and greens. And, you know, and it's like, it's so funny that that's what I'm excited about these days. It's just like that sense of nourishment. It's very exciting to me. Yeah. Whereas maybe sugar and all of that would have been exciting to me at some point in my life. Right now, feeling great is the best thing in the world. It's just the best. And there's nothing I would trade it for. And there's no sugar. There's no sense of lack. There's no sense of this is where I get my, like, my pleasure comes from food. It's like, no, my pleasure comes from living a good life. That's where it comes from. And I've heard you say that before. And I just love that so much because it's so true.
0: It's like, you know, you asked me at the beginning, how can I do the both things I'm doing? Because I love it. I have tremendous energy and I love my life. I love being a state legislator. I love being a nutritionist. I'm finishing my master's degree in public health. At the same time, I love that. I, you know, produced a movie, which I think you're aware of. And I love that. And I'm still involved in all this kind of stuff. I love every bit of my life. And it's... Mm. It's wonderful to be alive. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to make a comment on moderation because what we do is as, as a human race, we like to to make a, a, a concept like moderation apply to every single thing. You should do everything in your life in moderation. That does not apply to everything. Let's just take a situation. Let's say you beat your kids. Well, how about instead of just stopping beating them all together, because that's not moderate, how about you just beat them less? You, you see what I'm saying? Now, let's. this is direct correlation. You'll say that doesn't even apply. It does. You're going to beat your body up by eating bad things and you're destroying your health. So shall we just beat it up less instead of don't beat it up at all? That's We can't apply the moderation philosophy to certain things in life. It doesn't fit.
1: The problem is you have every nutrition scientist and dietitian out there fighting that concept saying, no, no, there should be no such thing as bad foods. I see it because I make sure to follow a broad spectrum of people just for my own education. And I see the conversations out there are it's all about not demonizing any foods. And, you know, and then if you zoom out, you go, well, why are Americans so sick? Why are we so sick? Why are women needing so much hormone replacement therapy? Why are we in the state? Is it the levels of stress? Is it the levels of caffeine? Is it the levels of sugar? Is it the level of imbalance that we're creating? What is it? If everything is okay, why is nothing okay? Why are all of these women sick with autoimmune disorders of multiple types, by the way, like it's not just, Oh, somebody has eight autoimmune disorder. It's like, no, they have one, two, three autoimmune disorders. They start with a Hashi, they get a rheumatoid arthritis. And somewhere along the way, they may have some sort of gut issue as well, a celiac, whatever. It's, it's like, why are we so sick if everything is okay?
0: You have brought up an excellent point. And so it's, you know, it's a, a logical fallacy that we say, well, but everybody says that it's okay. Everybody. Well, when the crowd starts dictating your life then you know you can just go off the cliff with all the little lemmings because the whole crowd's running off the cliff even if you thought you know this is not smart for me to run off the cliff but everybody else is running off the cliff so i'm going to run off the cliff with them at some point we have to think for ourselves and we have to do just what you said you have to listen to your body. If your body is saying, I'm sick, I have arthritis, I have horrible periods. Now I'm in men- per- perimenopause and it's even worse. And, you know, something is wrong. It's not supposed to be that way. If you were healthy, it won't be that way. So then you have to decide, am I running with the crowd or am I going to go on the path
1: less traveled? Well, you, yeah, I, I spoke to a girl today and she she's actually someone who's taken a course of yours. I she, she sent you an email about she had celiac and now she has Graves disease and I was like you got to talk to Karen and you know she was on the bean protocol and felt amazing and then went off the bean protocol in search of as she put it the truth like oh I'm a truth seeker so I wanted to see well is it is it paleo is it this is it that is it gaps and then ended up with Graves and and I said you know at a certain point in your life you have to realize that there isn't a truth. There is your truth and and you being connected to your body, you together create that truth of what is truly right for you. And it may have nothing to do with the popular diets or protocols or or people that you even respect, what they're saying may be right for them. And that's why they're so passionate about it, but it's really uh, figuring out what's right for you. I'm really fascinated by genetics and after the weekend of hormones, I went and got my genetics looked at, and I wouldn't even be a candidate for HRT because I do not process synthetic hormones genetically. So that means if I started taking it, I would probably most likely end up with cancer and be one of the statistics. So I think it's it's an interesting Russian roulette that we're willing to play, but we're not willing to clean up our diets. Or get yep. curious about cleaning up our diets. And so it feels like a real crutch that we're being offered versus doing the harder work, which is, hey, even if the world says coffee is fine and it's great for your brain and chocolate is great, the polyphenols, just get curious and pull it out of your diet for six months to a year and see how you feel.
0: Yep. Yep. Like,
1: you know, you don't have to take our word for it. But I have to say that I've never felt better in my life. And I feel better now. Turning 48 than I did turning 38. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Because of you, Karen, because of you. I have a question. Is what happens with the hair thinning in perimenopause? A lot of clients, and I know you see a lot of women with the thinning of the hair, is that part of losing estradiol? Like what's going on there? Well, what happens? It's just a stress response because.
0: It, we're back to the adrenal glands. It, it's not really an estrogen issue. Estrogen is not feeding the hair follicles. There's a follicle from which a hair grows. And if that follicle becomes inflamed, and it doesn't, it will not hold the root of the hair so the the hair falls out. So we say, see, it's the lack of estrogen that did that. It's because your adrenal glands have to produce the estrogen to maintain your femininity, And they are stressed because you have been doing caffeine and sugar and all the things we just finished discussing. But there was one hormone, I just mentioned it on the fly really fast, you know, quite a little bit ago in this interview, and that is cortical steroids. Cortical steroids are only made in one place in the human body. Guess where? The adrenal glands, the adrenal glands that are overworked, underpaid, you know? And so they have to make cortical steroids. What do cortical steroids do? Reduce the inflammation in your body. So when you have a hair follicle, because we we have, I mean, you know, you think well, it's just a hair follicle, but yeah, you put caps on. I mean, there you can get inflammation anywhere in the human body. If it becomes even slightly inflamed, you're going to lose that hair. Falls out. But then you have to take the inflammation out of that. That it's a, just a, it's a follicle, so it's a little. I'll call it a hole, but I mean, it doesn't look like a hole to us. But anyway, we have to reduce that inflammation there. Well, the only there's only one hormone that's going to do it cortical steroids made in the adrenal glands, but you don't make enough cortical steroids because you're too busy trying to, you're responding to the adrenaline push because of all the caffeine and you don't have enough estrogen. And so, and all of that And estrogen is not causing the uh, hair falling out. It's another one of the adrenal hormones that you're not making enough of.
1: Cortical steroids. Um, oh, I have a slight confession, Karen, and I feel like it is a confession because I've been on the protocol for so long, but I love lifting weights. I sit all day in the chair. And one of the things I love doing is lifting weights. Is that a problem? And I also have been reading, and I'd love to hear your thoughts about it that building some muscle going into menopause leads to strong bones. It, what are your thoughts about everything I just said? And if I'm not eating sugar and caffeine, do you feel like my love of going to the gym and working out with my husband would put me in a position? to have too much inflammation because one of the things i was reading about is that as we go into perimenopause we are more prone to inflammation insulin resistance
0: yeah you are because you're again your adrenal glands have to produce the cortical steroids for you to be able to reduce the inflammation when you lift weights you're doing a repetitive motion whatever whatever however you're doing it with you know this way up well however that repetitive motion means that you have friction when you have friction you will have inflammation. This is the third law of motion. You will not negate the laws of of nature. It will happen. You will have inflammation. Don't worry though. Cortical steroids to the rescue. You make cortical steroids. They immediately reduce the inflammation that's caused by this frictional force of you lifting the weights or whatever exercising you're doing. However, if you are going through perimenopause and you are trying, your adrenals have to pick up the load of producing estrogen for you because you they're going to keep calling for estrogen. And you are also then putting a stress to make more cortical steroids because you're out there and doing constant motion, or it's not constant, but you know, on a regular exercise routine, you will have to produce more cortical steroids. And your adrenals are already under stress because they have to, they're picking up the load of producing estrogen. So, in if anybody ever watches my menopause, perimenopause my, I have, of course, I am absolutely, it's the number one, even above and beyond caffeine and sugar, thou shalt not exercise, period. If you choose to exercise, (laughs) if you choose to exercise, then you can expect that you will have more perimenopausal symptoms and you'll,
1: you'll wonder then. I haven't had perimenopausal symptoms, but I did get blood work and my inflammatory marker was higher. And I was like, I got to talk to Karen about this because I am so good on protocol. And I know that I'm more prone to all of this stuff going into in being in perimenopause. But if I don't do caffeine, I don't drink alcohol and I don't eat sugar, can I get away with working out? And are you saying that basically, no, I cannot get away with, with the weight training I'm doing?
0: Goes back to what you were just saying previously. Every woman is different. You have to know what works for you. And mm-hmm. your body. But I will tell you, if you have any of the symptoms, and you're doing stop working out, you have to stop working out because okay. it's it has pushed you over the edge. You're okay. walking, you're walking on a tightrope. And we just don't want you to fall over right now. What you're doing is obviously not affected you. You're 48 years old, but you might get to 49 or 50. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, why am I having all these hot flashes? And I had whatever you know that your symptom is. It's like, okay, I'm still doing the exercise because exercise always demands the production of, first of all, epinephrine and norepinephrine. So you have the energy and the ta-da to do it. I mean, you have to have, and that's, those are those two hormones coming from the adrenal glands. And then you have to have the cortical steroid to reduce the inflammation mm. and it will happen. And so, you know, you will have to
1: see what, what's too much for you. If I get a symptom, is it already too late though? Or should I begin contemplating? Because look, I'm not the, I'm not your normal Joe because I will give up anything for my health. I just want to be healthy. I love working out. It does feel really good. It's something we do together, but I'm not, oh, I can never, I can never not do this. It, that's not me. Like uh, there's so many things that I thought I could never give up. Sugar being one of them because I was an absolute addict and I feel nothing for sugar. If sugar passed me on the street, I wouldn't even look, I'd be like, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So I feel nothing for it. When it comes around on a table, I feel nothing for it. Like, it's just, there's just nothing there. So I've severed, I've uncoupled any romantic feelings for sugar a long time ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, I loved it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, no, you're a bad boyfriend. Um, and I have nothing to say to you. <laughs> so, but, you know, having a history of Crohn's, I think about inflammation all the time. And I don't, there's no part of me that would want to put myself in a position to, mistreat my body, even though it feels good. I, so I guess that was the question of like, if a symptom shows up, have I already stressed myself too much by that point? And would it be more prudent to pull it back?
0: Well, you won't have to make that decision. But I, from my experience, it would be more prudent to pull back. I know that's not mm-hmm. the answer you want to hear, because I think you, Nick, you will find that you have, you will eventually have symptoms and you'll okay. go, I had pushed myself too far. Now, does that mean that you're you're done for? It's too late. No, you will immediately say, I quit altogether the exercise. But it can take you three to six to nine to twelve months to fully re-get it to get it back. But remember, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure.
1: Very I like that. Oh, geez. Okay. So if if any symptoms show up, unless I want to just preempt it, I should pull back on it. Thank you. Sometimes show up, you know, I've been pushing myself too long too hard.
0: Mm-hmm. So I have to back
1: down. That's the that's the key there. Too long to, too hard. So what do you do for muscle for bone health, you know, after you lose mm-hmm. your sexy estradiol that helps mm-hmm. promote bone health? Yeah. Men don't have any of that. They True. don't have
0: gesterol. How come they have such muscle mass? They have testosterone, but that's not it. You will have the bones of strength that you need and the muscle strength you need to do what you have to do each day. Mm-hmm. I assume you have to start loads of laundry and you fold and you do house cleaning and you cook and you you know you have to walk out to the mailbox and you have to walk through the grocery store and you have to go through whatever wherever you're going. You are living life. Mm-hmm. You're in constant motion, so you will have the muscle strength to do exactly what you do every day.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I have I when my I had twin grandsons. And so when they were babies, I mean, I would carry both those babies. Every night I was helping my daughter with them. I would carry both those babies. Man, you should have seen my biceps. (laughs) I mean, it's just like, wow. Or my daughter, I mean, they're still, they're weighing those two boys are now like 35, 40 pounds each. She puts one on one hip and one on the other and carries them up the stairs. She's got muscles, but that's because of what she has to do. She's developed those muscles. Now, when those boys are old enough, they don't have to be carried anymore. then, you know... And they are old enough, but sometimes you want mommy to pick you up anyway and carry you when you're five. But but then she will lose that muscle mass, but she'll retain the muscle mass that she needs to do whatever that particular, her daily chores are at that time. Then what I do every day, I walk through the Capitol a lot. That's my job. I got to get to Senator So-and-so's office, or I got to go over to Representative So-and-so's office, or I have to run up to the Sergeant of Arms or wherever I'm going. And so then you're saying, well, you're exercising. No, I'm living my life. You know,
1: Mm -hmm. just
0: do what you're supposed to do. And then so uh, you have the muscle mass for those activities. And no, your bone health is dependent upon what you're eating and drinking. And so if you're doing chocolate and you're doing diuretic caffeine, you're doing sugar, you are going to have, that's where you lose your, your bone density. So you'll find out as you get older, Unique, you're going to say, I don't have any bone density problems at all, even if I, and I'm not, you have to decide what you're going to do about your routine. And I need to make one more point because you said it makes me feel so good to be out there and exercising and do all that. What gives you that sense of feel good? Adrenaline. Got it. I was going to say, tell me the name of the hormone. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I'm testing you, Unique. (laughs) And it is adrenaline. That's why people drink coffee. Because when you drink coffee, you have the same feeling as when you exercise. It makes you feel great and so sharp and alert and just like, I'm on top of the world. It's great. And when you eat sugar, you feel like that too for a while until you get off these things. Then you're going to go through, you know, like, oh, wow, I see what I was doing to myself. It's
1: the Mm. same hormonal lift. I see. So I replaced my cup of coffee with a 20-minute workout. I see. I get it. I don't like it. I'm going to have to think about this for a while. But I hear it loud and clear. And I know I can because I can feel the changes in my body. I I can feel my body calling for estrogen. If I'm challenging my body by weight training, then two things are competing for the same support at the same. So something one of the in that equation something's going to lose. Yeah.
0: And and you you can be relating to all the people that are listening to this podcast, because you're thinking about exercise. They say, oh, I wish I could just have to worry about giving up exercise. I'm still trying to get through the caffeine and the sugar, you know? And so they're like, how can I give up sugar? How can I get, well, you went through that 11 years ago when we first started talking. It's like, really? you know.
1: Just- I remember when you said you will never eat sugar again. If you want to stay in remission, I think it was something like that. And I remember being like, oh, I'm eating sugar again. And then it's interesting. I definitely, when I went into remission, I reevaluated all my relationships with food. I revisited sugar. And the funniest thing happened where I was like, I don't want this. I don't want it. I don't want it because what I want more is to not be a burden on my family. Like those years of being sick. I was a person that never wanted to burden anybody. Well, by not taking care of myself, I burdened everybody. My husband, my husband. My family, they would see me. And I was so skinny when I start when I was working with you before I started working with you. And then when I was working with you, I was, you know, down to 90 pounds, five, seven. Uh, I was the greatest burden. And and I realized as I contemplated moving forward with my life and taking care of myself, that I never by my own fork did I ever want to be a burden again, not to myself or to anybody else. And I just wanted to live a good life. And so In that evaluation, it was easy to see the things that didn't serve me. I think a lot of the social health space is talking to healthy people. And to me and you, we see the unhealthy people and there must be different measures. Everything is not equal, as you said, and there must be different measures and we must approach our health in different ways if we want to stay healthy, especially if somebody has been sick. I think it's what I see with my clients and I'm sure you see this is that they get healthy and then they go back to their old habits and get sick again. And then they're surprised. Like it didn't stick. It's like, no, you didn't stick. You didn't stick with it. Yep. And and so we are very easy to recreate health issues if we do not take care of ourselves. And I decided I never want to be in that position or put my family in that position or my community ever, ever again, not, at not by my own fork. So as I sit here thinking, mulling over, the working out. I got some thinkings to do. <laughs> got some,
0: we all do. Yes. You're not a bad girl at all. You're, <laughs> just, you're just a human being and just, this is another another thing. You know, Whenever we conquer one thing in life, then we'll be set to look at the next thing that we have to conquer
1: in life. Oh, it's, it's, a good, it's a good reality check. And, and I do want to say that again, is that in perimenopause, we are are less likely to handle glucose well. So having a sugar addiction going into perimenopause and menopause is really tricky. If anybody wants to know why they've got that 15 pounds around their belly, that's most likely it, that slow slide into insulin resistance handling. Wow, that's so amazing. It just hit me now when you said that is that if your body is calling for estrogen and you're asking it to make cortical steroids at the same time, that's Probably one of the reasons why we are more prone to inflammation. Easy to hurt ourselves in the gym, easy to tear a ligament. All of these things are easier because we don't have the support of the cortical steroids from yeah. the adrenals.
0: Exactly right. Yes, ma'am. You nailed it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> My brain been doing some thinking. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> it just hit me. Well, Hill. Well. Okay. This lifestyle, this anti-inflammatory, pro-supportive hormone not calling for cortical steroids and adrenaline at the same time you're calling for estrogen makes so much sense. Yeah. No, it just boom right there. Okay. So if you are listening and you are losing hair and you don't have any other symptoms, probably look at your workouts. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Mm -hmm. Inflammation. Beautiful. Yeah. I know that I've taken all your courses too, so I should have put that together, but just now it hit me. Uh, Um, so. You know, the age ranges are an interesting and and tricky thing, I think, as well, because some women are going to go into menopause earlier than others, but they wouldn't know it because they're in their late 30s to start thinking that some of their symptoms might be perimenopausal. Is that possible?
0: It's possible. I mean, the average age of menopause is 51, but I mean, you could go through menopause at 48, and if you have a five to 10-year window and you're in the 10 years, well, what's 48 minus 10? Well, you're 38. So it's possible. It's you Yeah. Know, so. There is a genetic, we can never dismiss genetics because Mm -hmm. they're always genetic. You know, did your mother go through an early menopause? Did your grandmother, most times people don't know because your grandmother, you know, at least my grandmother never talked about it. My mother never talked about it. You know, you just didn't talk about it. No,
1: you didn't talk about my mom did though. And it was interesting that she did. I think it's because I asked her later in life when we were all adults or something. I was like, she said she went into menopause at 55. So I have it in my head that that's a possibility, but it could be from any female in my family lineage. Right. So I'm curious to see at what point I do as well. You know, what I'm hearing a lot of is women getting hysterectomies and perimenopause. Is that because they're going into it with such big hormone imbalances that it's leading them to have heavier bleeds all the time?
0: It is. And so, and then, I mean, it's, it is, it's very, it's tiring. I mean, if you have heavy bleeds all the time, I mean, your hemoglobin drops, and then when your hemoglobin drops, I mean, you're tired. And then, I mean, then you need infusions. It depends. It has to drop below eight before mm-hmm. you would, need, you know, to have a blood infusion. But then you're just tired. It's like, I can't handle this. I can't handle that. I just can't, you know, Their their life is stressed because of other things. Maybe it's finances, maybe it's relationships, you know, you know what life is like, it's just like, I can't have this too. So just cut it out. Just take it away, you know? So
1: mm-hmm. that's. Yeah. What yeah. Anemia is what happened. Oh, creatine. Everybody's taking creatine. Everybody says it's good for brain health. They're giving it to older people to help with brain health. What are your thoughts? And is there anything in the supplement department that in the last year you've changed your mind about If or anything in the health space? Is there anything in the health space that you've changed your mind about in the last
0: no, year? Everything is just even confirmed. No. So I see no need for if you're going to eat right and you're going to do the, you know, and you ha- it's not... I say eat right, it's not just eating the right things. It's not eating certain things. It's not eating the sweets and the donuts and the pies and the chocolate and the rest of it. If you're willing to do that, you don't have to have any supplements. And remember when you take one supplement, whether it's creatine or name whatever one you want, you're putting in large amounts of something that was usually occurring in very small amounts that we need. And so how are we going to respond to that? Do not think that we can put something in a human body and the human body will just ignore it. If we don't need it, well, then all the excess will just pee it out or we'll poop it out. You know, it'll go through Mm -hmm. the liver, it goes through the kidneys and we get rid of it. We had no effect. No, there are always going to be chemical reactions that happen. And so you're not quite sure what did I just do by taking too much of this supplement or that supplement. You can't take too much food. You just literally can't because you you can't eat that much. You can't, you know, you're too full. So you'll never overdose on food if you're
1: eating good food.
0: I mean, people overdose. And don't
1: have an eating disorder, like a binge, yeah, situation.
0: Stuff that people binge on, they're not binging on celery sticks and and carrot sticks and radishes or whatever. They're binging on chocolate and donuts and whatever, you
1: know, the sweet is or Is there any value in, uh, this is the one I'm sure you get all the time, a ceremonial cacao with no sugar in it. It's because of the amount of caffeine that's in it that it still makes it undesirable?
0: The cacao is highly
1: caffeinated
0: and it's the caffeine that's a problem. Even if there's no sugar in it at all,
1: you have the caffeine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Is there anything that you learned recently, health or not health, that has lit you up lately? Oh, I really would like to
0: someday work on polymorphisms a lot because they're so, polymorphism is a, it's a mutation. They're called snaps, but they're single point changes in the DNA and you're born with them, but they predispose you to certain things. And so I would really love to someday just spend a lot of time researching that because it predisposes us to so many things that we can't change. And it's not chronic diseases, it's things like reactions to mercury. So, you know, we had such a big to-do about, you know, COVID vaccines and, you know, there is, it is still in the forefront of, you know, the political world, whether you can require a person to take a vaccine against their will or not, but- people with polymorphisms and when we have multi-dose preparations of these like flu vaccines, you're talking about mercury, but we have 40% of our population have a mercury sensitivity and you can put them into a neural a neural development disorder, which we call ADHD or whatever. And it's just like, there is actually a genetic component to that. And we need to be looking at those things, but there's not enough research done. I would like to do the research someday. We'll see, or
1: at least- oh, I- wow do it. But well, I love that. I you know, if there's anybody who is going to figure that out, it's it's going to be you. So (laughs) you will find time somewhere. It's like you don't have 24 hours. It's like you have more.
0: Yes, it's actually it is. So you know, my father used to tell me this all the time. And he was right. He said, Karen, if you have something that you need to get done, it's really important, you need to get it done. Find the busiest person you know, and ask them to do it. And it'll get done. Because we always think, oh, she doesn't have anything to do, or he doesn't have. The the reason they don't have anything to do is because they're they don't do anything. You find the busy person; they're the people who get things accomplished.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because it's the it's the priority, and it's. I always wonder if it's a personality trait or not that you're just that you have a different fire inside of you, that you go from one thing you're lit up about to the next. So, well, thank you. Your time is.
0: Well, you—it's
1: you're my bean celebrity, so
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad to know you, Unique. When I met you, you were very, very, very sick. So,
1: I yeah, I mean, I was so sick that my GI fired me because I wasn't taking the drugs, and he was just like, "If you're not going to let me help you, then I can't have you as a client." And I just remember going, "Well, I have this weird belief that I'm going to meet somebody." that's going to be able to help me and and understand my autoimmune disorder. And I just know that they are out there and it was you. So I'm really happy to know you every day. I'm happy to know you unique. Thank you. Well, I hope you have a lovely evening and holiday and thank you for being here and for helping all of us navigate what can feel like a really confusing health landscape where so much research is put into putting out new supplements and how good they are for you and how the research shows and you really just bring it back down to not only the the least expensive way to live but also the most powerful which is eating for your health so thank you
0: i'm glad to do it thank you
1: Thank you so much for joining me with my conversation with Karen Hurd, discussing perimenopause, and all that good stuff. I hope wherever you are in this wonderful world that you are taking care of your amazing human body and taking responsibility for it and building beautiful habits to support it, because there is no greater joy than feeling fantastic. I'm here to tell you that. I feel fantastic and I am grateful every single day to do whatever I can to support my incredible human body.